You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. So have you, have you given any thought, Shannon? I know this, this is really getting a head start on, on this idea, but have you, ever, have you given any thought of how you're going to spend uh, February 29th this year? Oh, that's that's leap day. It is. This is leap year. Oh, I forgot about <laughs> the fact that this is leap year. It is. Actually, actually, I already know how I'm spending that day because I have a Women at the World workshop going on that week. Oh, well, how there you go. You oh, how I have, I have, spending? I have no idea. I'll figure that out as I go. I don't, I don't plan that far ahead. <laughs> no, you, you got to do something memorable. It, it only comes around once every four years. It right? does, it does. But uh, the thing that also comes along with leap day is. Uh, election year and so you know we're big Isn't on all, yeah those are always the same always time. coincides i didn't think about that you're right it, <laughs> it does every four years. it Duh. does and so you know election season that probably sounds really stupid right now <laughs> what christmas is always on december 25th are you sure <laughs> are you sure valentine's day is happening this year again <laughs> but it, it, it's so funny because if you think about it you know uh election season and politics and all of that that's that's one of those things you know like when you're at a family function that's the one of the things you don't talk about is is uh. is, is politics and religion you know a lot of times if you think about extended family that's just the charged stuff but yeah, I, I my, keep 20 year olds are just now learning this yeah the hard way but i i keep coming back to a phrase that i i love it because one of my my best friend was talking about he was in. Um, he was. He was a young adult, and he's at the clubhouse. We worked at a golf course, both of us, for a little while when we were younger. It's younger adults, which was a great job, by the way, because you got free golf. Um, but it was one of those. He was complaining about something uh, with a with the administration, the current at whatever year it was, and two of the old guys said, "Hold on, did you vote?" And he <laughs> and and he said, "No." I didn't this past season. He said, and then they both were, you can't complain. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, you're right to complain. Oh, I like that because if you're not investing in the process, and this is not about, hey, everybody get out and vote, although you really should. It's still, this is about, if we're talking about what happens in relationships, we have to recognize the role we play and what we contribute, or we never will find a different result. Right? So you're, so you're saying you, you have to invest in the process of determining how things evolve. Absolutely. You have to invest in the process of your role in how things evolve. Okay. And right. I'm going so use... to you, you have to cast your vote. Yes, you do. And, and I'm going to use that as a, yeah, that, that's the segue into where we're going today. But I want to also start real quick with a, hey, welcome to Sexy Marriage Radio. Glad you joined <laughs> us. We love it when our, our listeners join us every week. We're honored that you come in and, and invite us into your home and into your car, into your ears. And, and allow us to talk about how married sex is the hotbed for sex. And that's, that's what we really believe here at Sexy Marriage Radio. And we would love to hear from you. You can send us emails at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. You can also jump on iTunes and leave us reviews and comments and even some criticisms and, sure. and help us know. That helps us. It that totally helps us. It really does. And, and it's one of those things that helps us be better. And that's our goal with 2016. That's our goal for our listeners. That's our goal for married sex. That's the goal for my sex life with Pam. I'm assuming I can speak for you and say that's your goal for Sex Life yep. with Greg. And and so it's just recognizing we want to speak to what really ails you and helps you. 
and and really does help heat things up in a in a great fantastic way this year so yep and, and what i'm sidetracked by in my head right now is i love how every once in a while we have to remember that oh people are listening to us right now because <laughs> sometimes we get so embroiled in the conversation that we kind of forget yeah. uh yeah I, I i love how you have come up with today's topic and I'm very excited about it. You used a particular word when we were doing our, our two minute pre-show dialogue, <laughs> um, the word co-creating. Right. That just like we co-create government together as a society, we co-create marriage yep. and the, the tone of our home and our yep. relational dynamic and our sexual dynamic. A, and a foundational, yes. Yes, our our my foundational belief is that relationships are co-created. Mm -hmm. That's just a that is a paramount understanding that you have to have. It now reminds me of the quip: "It takes two to tango." Yep. Otherwise, okay, so, otherwise you look foolish <laughs> tangoing well, by yourself. Right. <laughs> um, so, in other words, the whole. Sometimes one person is leading, sometimes the other person is leading. Sometimes you get toes stepped on, sometimes you're the one stepping on toes, but mm -hmm. you still keep dancing. Yeah. It's yeah. Okay. Yeah, so what let's unpack a little bit. What do you hold on? I, I just had the visual. What do you suppose would happen if they took Dancing with the Stars, which I've never seen an episode of? I'll just Really? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can't say that I've watched it a lot, yeah, but, but I've seen it. What if episode. they took one of the pairs? Uh-huh. And edited out one of the members because you can do that with today's Photoshop. technology yeah well it's, it would be just take them out you know take computer generate them out and have the the one person dancing <laughs> they would look freaking ridiculous exactly exactly <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great visual to think okay how am i contributing with mm. my partner how what am i dance. what am i doing how am i am i being a good lead and am yeah. i setting a good tone for what I want in my relationship and my role in my relationship. Because this is not about the husband has to lead all the time or the wife has to be the leader, but somebody's the leader in various right. aspects of the relationship. And so I think we need to unpack the idea because a lot of what the premise that I have in mind for this show, Shannon, is that a lot of times what we will hear from emailers at, at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com is they will, they will let us know what's going on, and here's the issues that are happening. And yes, I think a lot of people are aware, I contribute to this, but I don't know if they're really that aware of how I contribute to it. Right. It's it really reminds, a focus of my partner and what they're doing or not doing. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of how often, I'm sure that you could say the same thing, that we will hear from a potential client, uh, and it's the spouse saying, you know, my partner has this issue and, and we need help, but they assume that their partner is the problem. They assume that their partner is the identified patient. Yeah. And it's often really shocking and discombobulating for them to realize once we really get into the coaching session that, okay, granted he or she is one side of the coin, but you're the other side of this coin. Right. And it does take two to tango. Right. And sometimes what the person is or isn't doing isn't the only problem. Sometimes right. it's how, the spouse who initiated the session in the first place is perceiving all of that and the lens that they look at yep. it through. It, it usually leads some, to some very um, shocking conversations for them to wake up and realize I have just as much a part in this dynamic as my spouse does. Yeah. And that's humbling. I mean, that's yeah. like, that's like getting punched in the gut sometimes. Well, humbling if they're in a good place. Right. Angering if they're not. Yes. 
because I'm sure that you've had clients who you know, they just get downright angry when you try to open their eyes to the part that, that they are contributing oh, yeah. to the dynamic. Yeah. And the couple therapy intensive stuff I do, that typically is one of the partners every time will be mm -hmm. mad at me for, for a, a, a section of that sessions. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that any good counselor or coach is willing to be tolerant of their client's anger because it's not about us. No. It's, it's about the information that's right. been disseminated. Right. You know, and if they need to be angry with the information, that isn't that one of the natural Elizabeth Kubler-Ross stages of grief? Of anger? Just, first you get angry and then you deny it and then you bargain with it and then you finally accept it. Yep. So it's just part of the process yep. to realize that, yep, I have a bigger part in this than I right. realize. And so let me, let me kind of, this is something I've talked about on the show in the past. And so this, it's worth repeating here because there could be people that are new uh, to the community and welcome, by the way. But yeah. it's it's the idea that, you know, we I case everything in high desire, low desire. Or some of the feedback that I, we got at the last year's get, getaway was more desire, less desire, which is really good terminology, but that's semantic, you know, to potato, potato kind of stuff, if you think about it. <laughs> but it's the idea that a lot of times what I have found is the high desire partner when it comes to sex is really, really frustrated because there's not enough sex happening. They don't right. see any interest coming from the low desire. Right. But what if between the two of them, low desire actually has a more clear view of the type of sex they're really having isn't worth wanting. <laughs> that they just don't want crappy sex. Right. So yeah. what if we need to really call into question the high desires, you know, desire to want to have multiple helpings of lousy sex? That's didn't, didn't you have a client one time whose husband was accusing her of not liking sex? And she said, no, correction. I like sex. I just don't like sex with you. No, that's something Pam said to me oh, <laughs> or, oh. early, early in our marriage. I don't know if I would have admitted that. Oh, okay. it, I, I will gladly admit it because I, I recognize looking back on a you know, hindsight thing that the first six years, five years of my marriage, it was one-sided, selfish all about me sex why would she want to be a part of that regularly because it was just about me i didn't know what i was doing for her i didn't even care i mean it's sad to say it's refreshing to hear a man admit that though yeah. because i know right now a there are a lot of men who are recognizing that yeah that probably was the truth in the first two years of my marriage and b there are a lot of women going hallelujah finally a man admits it because i've known that for a long time <laughs> you know like Women know. Yeah. They know when it's more about him getting his rocks off yeah. than about him emotionally and deeply connecting with right. her in a way that she feels made love to. Right. But it's also a, it's also a, a double edged sword because this is and this is the co-creation part of it that we're talking about with this show. Because if, if I have one sided selfish pursuit sex. I am probably feeding into and this is what happened in my case with Pam. I'm feeding into she struggled with being objectified. She didn't yeah. want to just be a sexual object. She wanted to be a wife. She wanted to be a woman. She wanted to be a, a daughter of God. She wanted to be, and there's lots of aspects of that that she struggled with on, is it okay that my husband objectifies me? I don't want to have to be continue this whole world I had to grow up in and still have to live in of what's beautiful. You know, mm. I, I saw a headline on Yahoo this morning before we got on to start recording that some, I don't remember the actress's name, but she's a size two and she didn't get the role in a part of a movie because she was too big. 
Oh, please. And she was talking about the struggle that is. And obviously that's sensationalized because it's news and it's Yahoo front page. But it's right. still, you know that message is there. It's so pervasive. Of, of what is beautiful about a woman. And it's not what is portrayed on a magazine cover most of the time. No. But, but you know what I do love is there are some women who are totally, you know, going in the opposite yeah. direction. With all this. Uh, I think of women like Melissa McCarthy. I, I mean, she is a very large woman, but there is something about her oh, that yeah. is very confident and therefore very sexy. Absolutely. And I, and I also think of Adele, the singer. Yeah. Like she, she was on Saturday Night Live and she is a, she's a very curvaceous woman. But man, is there something about her that just exudes something that's very magnetic and very attractive. That girl can sing too, man. Oh my gosh, she can. (laughs) (laughs) She totally can. And so I think that women do need to catch the understanding that sex appeal is not about size or shape. So, you know, I'm sorry that the size two girl didn't get the role. I don't know that that many women are crying for her. Because most women want to throw grapefruits at someone who's size two. But sexy is not about size or shape. I say it over and over again. It's not about size or shape. It is about attitude. And I know women who are size 22 who are far sexier oh, yeah. in their own skin than women who are a size two. Yeah. It's about, it's yeah. It's not about that. It's about comfort in your own skin, however much or little there is. Yep. And so a lot of times women get it stuck in their own head that their husband doesn't find them attractive. And no matter how much their husband tries to convince them, I do think you're sexy. I don't yeah. care about your cellular. She doesn't believe him. I don't care about your stretch marks and she won't believe him. Then she is creating the dynamic. That's the co-creation she's doing because that's her deal, not his. Even though yes. it's easy to sit there and put it off on him. Yeah. Well, he can't possibly find me sexy. Well, who? what gives you the right to decide what he thinks is sexy? Sexy is in the eye of the beholder. Right. I mean, so that's really about her using her weight as an excuse to insulate her from the sexual uh, activities that she finds uncomfortable because she's uncomfortable in her own. Well, and it's also how she insulates herself from connection, even though she's desperate for it. That's the struggle we have. Right. It's a self-defeating behavior. I have a a constant thread that I see in marriages of one member. This, this would be the high desire for connection member, you know, that they, they want emotional connection, physical touch, whatever it could be. And so they have the higher or more desire for it. And the way they go about trying to get it from their partner is, is really kind of desperate, which means and desperation is not exactly, sexy. which means their partner's reading that is why in the world would I give it to you? Because if I give you everything I have and let you completely suck me dry of all of my emotional capacity, that's still not enough. Right. So why would I even go into that why, hole? Why would I toss myself into a bottomless pit? Right. And so it's 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 recognizing that if I'm wanting something desperate from Pam and she doesn't give it to me and I flip out, I'm basically teaching her she does not need to give me what I'm looking for because I could not handle it in the first place. And I can't handle it when I don't get it. So I'm teaching her, stay away. Yeah, it was kind of like when the three-year-old pitches a fit in the grocery store. You know that once that fit ensues, the worst thing in the world you could do is give them the oh, yeah. candy bar that you're pitching the fit for. Oh, yeah. You're just reinforcing the behavior like Pavlov's dog. Yep. You have to. It's like all of a sudden it becomes a battle, and now I have to win because I'm the parent. Same thing is true in the marriage. If you're if you are insisting on having your own way and being a baby about it and pitching a fit about it, that it's my job to have to train you right. that. 
you cannot manipulate me this way. Right. There's, there's a lot of it. And, and I know that it, it's not just, you know, we're, we're probably speaking a little bit stereotypically that it's usually the man who wants something and the woman who wants to withhold it, but it, that is not. Oh, no, not case. at all. Right. There are, there are women who by golly, they've hit their forties or fifties, or maybe even they're younger, maybe they're older, who knows, but they feel as if they're hitting their sexual peak and they are ready to play. Mm -hmm. They are ready for some adventure and it's their husbands who feel as if, yeah, that ship has sailed or, you know, no, right. I'm too busy just out at work. And it's like, stop, you are making this woman feel as if she is not sexy and not attractive. And that's the worst message in the world. That okay, but, but hold, but hold on. This is the playing field of relationships. The co-creation nature of relationships mean mm -hmm. that I'm put into a container that challenges me for my growth. So whether or not that woman's husband responds to her or not does not completely determine her worth and her value. She has to find that in herself still too. It's, you're, you're it's a right. both it's a both and. You're right, but it's actually a very biblical concept that her bent will be toward her husband. Absolutely. Every woman, every woman wants to know that her husband finds her irresistibly attractive. Yep. The sad thing is, is that when men try to communicate that, they either don't believe them or they they shun them. Right. That that like when they do get the attention that they're craving, it feels like they're in a spotlight and they just want to hurry up and get off the stage. Yep. Type of the thing. Yep. So women have to learn to receive yep. that which they crave. Yeah. Uh, and that which you know, I know lots of men who they're they're they would well, log compliments all day long on their wives if their wives would accept them. Yeah. That's that, that's the show we did on asking for what you want and then getting it mm, yeah that, that it's, <laughs> it's that's show. a whole different concept because it's it's recognizing that the playing field of relationships are co there's a co-created nature to it yeah and and yeah. so that's where if you have something that's that's really bothering you that's frustrating you about your spouse if you don't look at your own role in co-creating that then it's it's likely you're throwing a fit and, right. and it's not warranted. Well, it's not as justified and it's not going to carry the same weight right. as if you were to really own your role and then point out, hey, this is the issue. I mean, this is the example I use with my clients is my daughter who is 10. She will holler. I'll, I'll, I'll holler at her. And, you know, we don't have a big house, but I'll holler at her and she'll be in a room like, hey, Sid. And she'll what? And it's the tonality that just <laughs> grates on me. But I also know that has been learned by her from the master me ah so if i come at her and get all up in her grill for being disrespectful with her tone without acknowledging my <laughs> teaching of that uh. what am i doing that's the yeah. same thing as yelling at my son that he and demand that he respect me he actually would have good judgment to not respect me in that moment because of the way I'm handling myself. Right. You can't require respect. You have to inspire it. Right. Yeah. And you're right. Apples don't fall too far from the tree. So you're, the, you're right. The co-creation element is present in every relationship under the sun. Yes. We co-create the relationship with our spouse, with our children, with our boss, yep. with our friends, with our parents. Like it, it, with the drive-through <laughs> attendant at the restaurant. I mean, it is. We co-create yeah. an aspect of that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And you usually walk away feeling really good about yourself when you're intentional about saying something nice to somebody like that. Why can't we be just as intentional in our marriage relationship to just make sure that we are sowing some really positive seeds because those take root and blossom and grow. Okay. And if we're just selling, if we're just sowing seeds of negativism or criticism or complaint that we don't get our way enough or whatever, it, that takes root and grows. Right. And that, those are weeds that are really hard to, to weed out of a garden. 
the yeah, thought I'm, that I've been having, oh, go ahead. I'm, I want to ask you a question while we're on that subject, though, because yeah. how many times, uh, speaking of a drive through attendant or a waiter or somebody that that's their job and you're co-creating that relationship with them because they're providing you a service of some sort. So you're needing something from them. How many times, though, would you guess, and you don't have to necessarily answer this, just really get you thinking, if you get the order wrong, there's a section of the population that, ah, okay, you know, and then there's a section of the population that, no, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll make sure this is corrected. Mm -hmm. But we don't take it personal, typically. It's not like, oh, right. that kid's just trying to screw with me. <laughs> you know, he must, you know. I'm going to give him fries instead of onion rings. Right. Oh, well, I'll <laughs> stick it to them, you know. But it's just... <laughs> It's it's recognizing that I will handle that different, but I won't always handle the, the stuff like that with my family the same. That if mm -hmm. something's gone on between us and Pam misinterprets, doesn't hear, or just has her own agenda that she thinks she wants to do, and I'm all offended, why would I not easily start to say, hey, hold on, excuse me. I believe there's something off in this. Let's. Right. How could we make this right? How could we correct it? How could we at least be on the same closer to the same page. Right, right. So what was coming to my mind is the whole concept of uh, avoiders and the relationship that they have with the people in their life, whether they are other avoiders or vacillators or controllers or victims, and that there seems to be a tendency um, that avoiders win because you can't make somebody <laughs> do something. Right. And so the whole notion of co-creating a relationship I really want to call attention. I mean, I just think that so many of the couples who do come forward for help, there's usually that avoider vacillator dynamic. A vacillator is the fastest one who will reach out for help and and an avoidant spouse is often the reason for their frustration. It's just the most chaotic combination as we've talked about in other shows. But that whole concept of when an avoider avoids, they think they are getting what they want, but they're creating more of the tension and frustration in that vacillator but also for the vacillator to continue to pursue, pursue, pursue doggedly, they're only creating more of an avoidant tendency in their spouse. Right. So for both of them to realize that as a vacillator, I have to stop pursuing them with all these expectations and smothering them. And for the avoider to realize that, you know what? I have to be responsive on occasion, not only responsive, I have to initiate on occasion. If I really want my spouse to be happy because happy wife means a happy life, uh -uh. happy husband, means you know it, it just yeah okay what? Uh, that phrase happy wife equals happy life i that just oh that this, ruffles my feathers because that's the quintessential nice guy junk ah. they deal with and it's the it's the whole idea of i'll figure out how i can make my wife happy because there's philosophy in the in a nice guy's mind a lot of times that i, I want to have a problem-free existence in life mm. and i'm sorry if you're living with another person and especially if that person is a woman with the fluidity of her brain, there's going to be problems and problems aren't bad. It's just, yeah. there's going to be differences. And I don't think that a woman really respects a man no. who will just lay down and be the doormat and let her walk all over him and have her way. Right. I, I don't think that that's sexy at all. Well, that's called slavery. And, <laughs> and slavery is only fun for maybe a night. <laughs> if you have uh, the proper props. <laughs> <laughs> maybe so. Also, uh, one of the other things that I have on my list is I remember a client years ago who was very insistent that their marriage bed will not involve anything 
that is ever part of pornography. So she had eliminated from the list of possibilities lingerie, marital aids, any type of fantasy or role play, costumes, anything like she anything that was in porn was off limits. So that means they did, that means they didn't have sex too. Because porn well, typically involves her attention to us, you know, they also kiss in <laughs> porn and they also, yeah, touch each other and they also yeah, and it's like how far are you gonna take that? Yeah. It just, it, it was really sad. So to open her eyes to the fact that just because it's been glamorized in front of a video camera yeah. and put out there on the internet doesn't make it a bad thing in the privacy of your own marriage bed with your spouse. Yeah. That to do things like spicings up with some fun lingerie or to use a marital aid just to try it, just for novelty, or to to have, you know, to engage in the fantasy role play. And we've done several shows on fantasy and the importance, you know, the role of it to compartmentalize pain long enough to make room for pleasure. I had a really interesting conversation with a client recently. She came back with, I don't have fantasies. She was very insistent. I don't have fantasies. And so therefore her husband was feeling like, well, how can I ever get her aroused and right. warmed up and right. interested and motivated in being a, a, an active sex partner if she doesn't have any fantasies like what what can I possibly use to get her in the mood and I challenged her I said you know what it's not that you don't have fantasies it's that you either have one of two fantasies you either fantasize about being left alone and many women do especially those who have been sexually abused and and this client fell into that category that's why she she just fantasizes about not having any sexual expectations okay. which means she needs some healing she needs to reach out for some help but the other fantasy that people don't even realize it's a fantasy is that sometimes a woman's fantasies are just very conventional and vanilla. Yeah. She just wants to be romanced by her husband. Yeah. She just wants to be swept off her feet. She just wants to be made love to with energy and enthusiasm, but there's nothing unusual or unconventional or kinky or perverted or anything like that about her fantasies. Yeah. But she still has fantasies. Absolutely. So she needs to be willing to bring those to the table and let her mind go to those places that will create the blood flow to her genitals by her pituitary gland. That means she's sexually aroused because every man wants to be with a woman who's sexually aroused, not just a woman who's willing to spread her legs and let him get all aroused. Right. He wants a, a two way exchange right. of passion and right. pleasure and energy. Right. Yeah. I so mean, what do you think? Well, that, I just, I mean, to me, what comes to my mind is just the scripture, you know, the verse that refers to if you're going to talk about the speck in somebody else's eye, you got to take out the plank in your own. Mm. It, it's the idea of I need to recognize and own my own role in, in the, what, what frustrates me, what ails me, what, what really is bringing about problems. Because here's, here's the classic one. I want more touch. I want more non-sexual touch because every time we touch, it just, you think it's supposed to lead straight to sex. Well, how do you not touch and it not lead, you know, it's going to lead to sex eventually. So it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy of if I touch Pam today and there's no sex today, but there is tomorrow. Well, it led to sex. I mean, <laughs> so it's like, eventually, yeah, yeah. The investment eventually paid off. So, but, it, but it's still that whole, we can't avoid some of these things in relationships to where we try to set up the scenario of maybe I can just pawn them off. Maybe I can just keep them at bay. Maybe I can change the subject. Maybe I can do all these. Maybe I could do something to keep the focus off of me 
rather than recognizing I need to be a, a, a active participant in my own life and in my own you know marriage and I need to learn possibly how do I step up to the plate more how do I be more solid and set a good tone and be a good lead which that's the groups I do online for men that it's a, yeah, it's a husband it's a husband side. mastermind group where we meet once a month and what we're just talking about is being a better husband what does that mean how do, how do you really step up your role as a husband and as obviously this leads towards sex too but it also leads towards just life how do you live a passionate life and then in turn create a passionate marriage that where sex is a part of it yeah but it's also more about just what are you doing that's passionate right and i think that men need that they get so bogged down with work right that it just sucks the life out of them and they need to be reminded and they need to be in a community of men where that synergy is being created with well open, honest and dialogue. i mean there's there's a deeper component to this for me because i think a lot of times men don't recognize that the frustration they have in marriage is because they've been emasculated a little bit in their growing up because, mm -hmm. you know, there's a generation of men right now, my age, and even a little ahead and the behind, that they've been raised by women completely. Mm -hmm. I mean, most right. of the elementary school, women teachers. Right. High right. schools, yeah, there's a little and, more and men. dads were at work all the time. Right, but dads are checked out or they're gone or they're working all the time. And they're just not investing and they're not doing the man stuff that used to be what was part and parcel of being a man. And Right. So there's a component of figuring that out of how do I learn to be a better man? And I, the only, only way you can do that is with other men in my book. Totally. Uh, Steve Arterburn said it one time that uh, men don't become men in the presence of women. Men become men in the presence of men. Yep. Yeah. So I love that you're doing this group. Where can they find out more about that if that intrigues them? Well, it's right at this point, it's just via email. So just send an email to feedback sexymarriageradio.com. I don't have an advertisement for it because I just started it and it's kind of a okay. small, you have to really be committed. There's lots of hurdles to jump through to be in it. <laughs> so okay. good for you. First, Good the for first you. level of it is just send me an email and let me know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. To piggyback on what I was saying earlier, and then you had said something that I was like, oh, I hope that women heard that and that it doesn't just apply to men, that it also applies to women. That basically what I heard you saying, and I totally agree, is that we all have to take responsibility yes. for our own yes. orgasm, for our own sexual pleasure in, in communicating you know, what we're interested in. Um, and I think that women will so often take the passive role of it's my husband's job to do the right thing to me for long enough in just the right way that <laughs> I get triggered into an orgasm and ladies, it does not work that way. You will wear him out just laying there thinking about right. your grocery list and, and the PTA meeting the next night and, and what you need to pack in your kids' lunches and stuff. You have to tap into the sexual energies that can be created between your own two ears yep. by entertaining whatever sexual fantasies do the job of getting your energies flowing. Because for men, it is so easy. And men, I, I think that you just have sexual energy flowing through you all the time. And I've only sampled this just a little in when I was going through infertility treatment, I had to get testosterone injections. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you guys keep it under control all the time. Like I wanted to hump just about anything that moved. It, 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 I can see how men want to connect with their wives so often. Yep. So of the hormonal reality of being in a male body and having all that testosterone flowing through them but for women 
you don't have nearly as much testosterone right. flowing through. Right. So you have to be more intentional right. about creating your own arousal and therefore leading up to your own orgasm. Or, and, or let me also add, because I want to make sure people recognize this isn't about a baseline libido kind of a thing. It's not a biological kind of thing. It, right. I think there's also the component of learning how to be more responsive and receptive mm -hmm. to see where it may go. Because there's lots of times where, yeah, I think lots of husbands would say, I really want my wife to be more aggressive. But I would say a larger category of men would be just as pleased if their wife was just more responsive and receptive. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that there is something very empowering Absolutely. to a woman Absolutely. to initiate and to see her husband respond to her initiation. So, yeah, I know that we've done shows yep. on, you know, on both the receptivity and the initiation components. And so, yeah, yeah. We, we've got a lot of fodder. Corey, how many, show, what, what number episode is uh, this? This one would be what, 220, 219, 220. Man. Something like that. Let's keep doing it. <laughs> I'm in. I am in. <laughs> Let's keep doing it. Well, we hope, we hope they're, they continue to keep doing it, right? Yes, absolutely. Keep Just, and I, I mean, I, I, again, every time I, I log in to set up stuff or check stats or, or just make sure things are working, I'm humbled by the amount of response we get of our listeners and the, and the fact that they invite us into their life regularly. And so thank you for, for spending some time with us wherever you are, however you've been listening. I'm just grateful that you spend it with us, son. And yeah. So if we have something, yeah, if we have something that we left undone or a question or a comment or a criticism, let us know. Feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. Jump on iTunes. Um, if you like what you hear, we have a Bed Buddy Club. You can look for the purple button on sexymarriageradio.com, and that'll tell you more about how you can support us if you're interested. No obligation. Yeah, we appreciate that. And we are grateful for those of you that do. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing today, I hope it leads to a better connection tonight or tomorrow or in the afternoon or in the morning or whenever it may be. See you next time. We love you for listening.